God, I just want to thank you for tonight. I want to thank you for the students that are here. Uh, Lord, God, every person that is here, God, you know them by name. And uh, we pray that as we go to your word tonight, God, you'd speak to us, help us to be present and focused for like 20 minutes before we move on to what we have next, God. You're good. We thank you for this week. God, will you just speak to us now in Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, y'all can have a seat. If you have your Bible, go to Luke chapter 18 and just hold your place there. It's great to see you all tonight. Hope you're doing well. Hope you've had a good week. But uh, come on, guys. There you go. Look at these guys. They're helping me out here. Great job, guys. I'm so proud of you, all right? <laughs> y'all are easily impressed. I'm, I'm amazed, all right? So, hey, really quick, we're just uh, glad you're here again. Hey, listen, I just really liked... I loved getting to meet so many visitors tonight. If you're visiting with us tonight, we're glad that you're here. We want you to know that when you come to this place, that, uh, that you enter into a place that is different. If you're new here, just hear me out for one minute. You, you, when you come into this place, it's different. It's different from your school. It's different from a place you hang out with your friends, although you do that when you come here. But the reason it's different is because when you're here, we really want you to feel and to know that you can be yourself when you're here. And we get together, we love God together, we learn about God together, we grow in our faith in God, we worship God, and we get to know some really cool people when we're around here. So second week in a row, I meet a ton of visitors, really glad you're here, and hope you get to come back and hang out with us in the weeks ahead, all right? Okay, so if you were here last week, um, we started a series, and the series is called We Believe. And we said that, uh, last week, we said that everybody has beliefs that they hold on to and that your beliefs that you hold on to are core. They're core to who you are. And we know that as a young person that you are very much forming your beliefs, your beliefs on the world. But these beliefs that you have, you hold at the core, the core of who you are and the things that you hold to be true, your beliefs, they really do come out of you and they affect the way you live. So what you believe about other people affects the way you treat other people and the, what you believe about yourself um, affects the way you think and treat yourself. The what you believe about God affects and impacts the way that you live your life for God or for nobody but yourself. It really makes a difference. Your beliefs are something that you hold true and your beliefs are constantly coming out of you. Now, here's the thing. You're probably not walking around telling a bunch of people, I believe this, I believe that, I believe this, I believe that. You're not walking around saying that. But every action that you take and all that you say really do reflect what you hold deep inside of who you are, deep inside your core of who you are and what you believe. Last week, we said that we were starting this series called We Believe, and that over the next school year, that we were going to look at these eight different statements that are printed on the windows of our building. So when you walk in to the right, you see the very first statement that's printed on the glass when you walk in. And the statement says that we believe that Jesus is better. And last week, we said that when we say that we here at Calvary Students believe that Jesus is better... We said that that means that we believe that loving, that that is loving God with all that you are. That we believe that to believe that Jesus is better means that we love God with all that we are. And then we also said that believing that Jesus is better means that we love his son, Jesus Christ, with all that we are. And we said that Jesus is better means that Jesus is who we love and who we worship. Everybody loves something. Everybody loves someone. And when we say that Jesus is better, what we're saying is that we love Jesus Christ the most. 
the most. That's what we're saying when we say Jesus is better. So when you walk in on a Wednesday night and you walk in and look to the right and you see, uh, you see those uh, glass uh, windows with the words on them and the first one says Jesus is better, know that what we mean is that when we say Jesus is better, that Jesus is better than anything, that we love him more than anything. All right? Okay, so we're going to unpack that a little more tonight. Tonight we're going to say that Jesus is better than our pride. Jesus is better than our pride. Now, what is pride really quick? Well, pride is this self-obsession. Pride means that you're obsessed with yourself, that you're like number one and that everybody or everything is below you or underneath you. Pride is thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to. Pride is thinking about yourself um, more important than people around you and other things. And here's the thing, here's the thing. So many of you in here, maybe not all of you tonight, but many of you in here would identify or call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian, somebody who follows Jesus Christ. Now here's the thing. As a follower of Jesus Christ, if you identify as that tonight, if you're a disciple of Jesus, know that Jesus, the one that you follow, Jesus Christ, the one that I follow, that he stands in stark contrast and against this thing called pride. The way that Jesus lived his life stood directly against this self-obsession, this thing that we identify and call pride. Jesus is better than our pride because he taught us about humility. Jesus is better than pride because he showed us with his life, the way he lived, the way he treated people, what a life of humbleness, humility looks like in every single way. Now, Jesus told this really cool story in Luke chapter 18, verse 9, which is where we're going to be tonight. So if you have your Bible, uh, find it. If not, it'll be on the screen behind me. It's in Luke chapter 18, and it's this really cool story. It's a short story, and this is how it goes, all right? So listen up really good. Now, in your groups after this, you're going to get in groups, and in your groups, you're going to practice retelling this story. So make sure you listen really closely to this story. Here we go. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. He, that's Jesus, by the way, he also told this parable, it's a story, to someone, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everybody else. So who is Jesus telling this story to? Well, Jesus is hanging out, and he's hanging out with this group of people, and he notices that the group of people that he's hanging out with are people who think that they are better than others. They think that they are better than other people. That's what it says, that he's hanging out with people who trusted in themselves and looked down on everybody else. So Jesus is hanging out, and he's like, hmm, there's something about these people that has caught my attention. Oh, I get it. They look down on everybody around them. Pride, that's who Jesus is talking to. That's who they were, and Jesus sees them. And Jesus doesn't lose an opportunity to address their pride. And this is what Jesus says to them. He says to them this. He's like, hey, I want to tell you a story, he says. Two men went up to the temple to pray. Okay, so you got two men in this story. And they are up at the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, the other, a tax collector. So you got two people in this story. One is a Pharisee, one is a tax collector. Now, the Pharisee would have been somebody that would have been like the religious leader of the day, the best rule follower, the best uh, law keeper, the religious person of the day, and that is the first person in the story. The second person is a tax collector. Now, that doesn't really maybe mean a lot if you're a tax collector today, 
But way back when in the Bible, if you were a tax collector, people didn't like you. They despised you. They hated you because if you were a tax collector, you collected money from people, many of them poor, and you gave that money that you collected to the government, to the Roman government. But anything you collected extra, you kind of got to skim off the top and keep for yourself. So tax collectors were thieves. Tax collectors were people who stole from the working class and the poor and there wasn't anything that anybody could do to stop them. So in our story, we've got a rule follower, religious person, and this other person is this tax collector, a hated person, a sinner, somebody known for stealing from other people. That's the second person in this story. So everybody that's listening to Jesus tell this story is like, all right, we got two people here. One is a tax collector, one is a Pharisee. And this is what Jesus says about each person. He says, the Pharisee was standing, and the Pharisee was praying like this about himself. Listen to this. The Pharisee is praying about himself. And this is what the Pharisee said. God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people. That's how he prays. God, thank you for not making me like the people around me. And this is what the Pharisee says about the people around him. He says, man, they're greedy. They're unrighteous. They're adulterers. That means they sleep around and cheat on their spouses. Or even like this tax collector across the street. So the Pharisees walking around the temple saying, God, I'm so thankful you didn't make me like that person because they are greedy. And thank you for not making me like that person because that person cheats on their spouse. And thank you, God, for not making me like that tax collector over there trying to pray to you. Man, look at that guy. Everybody knows he's a thief, and there he is over there trying to pray to you, God. Thank you, God, for not making me like them. And then he says, I fast twice a week. That means what he's saying to God is, God, I skip meals for you. In other words, I go without food and make myself hungry for you, God. Then he says, God, I even give money to you. I give money back to you. Everything I make, God, I take a tenth of that. Some of you are good at math. I take a tenth of that and I give it back to you, God. And I'm thankful that I'm not like those people over there. See, pride is this. Pride is the way that he sees himself. And he says this. He says, God, let me list the things that I've done for you. And let me list the things that they haven't done for you, God. And I'm so glad that I'm better than this. See, he lists what he has done for God and he completely ignores what God has done for him. That's pride. He's full of pride. There's another person in this story, the tax collector, the thief, the one that everybody hated, okay? The sinner, right? Verse 13 says this, the tax collector, he was standing off. That means like, He didn't even think he was worthy to be close to the people, close to the religious people. So imagine this temple, lots of people walking around, and this tax collector is around. He's looking around. He's like, I wonder if people are seeing that I'm here. I'm not supposed to be here, and I'm certainly not accepted here, so I'll just go stand off kind of far away a little bit. You know that person that kind of stands off by themselves sometimes, that everybody ignores, that nobody talks to, everybody's like, oh, just just leave them alone. They're not worth the time, right? Well, that was the tax collector. He was off by himself, standing by himself. Now, here's how the tax collector sees things. It says that he was standing far off and would not even raise his eyes up to heaven. That means that he wouldn't even look up to God because of this humbleness, this humility that he had. 
He wouldn't even look up like this, knowing that God was listening to him. But instead, he would strike his chest and he would go like this. And today we do that, like to mean like, come on, man, like I'm tough, right? Well, back then, if you struck your chest, it didn't mean you were tough and like, bring it on, let's fight, right? Um, if you did that, it was a sign of like um, humbleness, like almost like hurting yourself, almost like I'm not worthy, I- I'm not enough. It's funny that we sang a song tonight like that, right? It said, I'm not enough, God, unless you come, unless you're with me, unless you meet me here, I'm not enough. And that's what this tax collector is saying before God. I'm not enough, God, without you. So he hits himself, and this is what he says. The tax collector says, God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. So imagine this. Can you picture this with me? Okay. Let's make this modern day. We're in this room here. This room is full tonight. Okay. Somebody is really dealing with some messed up sin. They really are struggling with their walk with God. They're living in sin, doing what is wrong before God, disobeying God. And then you got another person here who thinks that they're doing great. And they're just like, man, God, if, you, if, if everybody could see how great I was, God, they would, they would know how great I am for you, God. So you got two people in the same room here tonight. And one of them says, God, look at me. Look what I've done for you. I'm here all the time. I do this. I do that. I'm so good, God. And thank you for not making me like that person over there. I know who they really are. I see them on Instagram. I see them on Snapchat. I see what they're doing. I see what they're saying on Twitter. I see what they're posting. God, thank you for not making me like them. I'm so much better than them. Okay, so that's the first person. The second person, the one that's dealing with all that stuff, that's doing all that stuff, that person is the one in this story that is kneeling before God and saying, God, I'm not even worthy to look up to you, up at you, because God, you know what I'm doing and struggling with, and I'm not even worthy to look up to you, God, and will you just have mercy on me, God? That means, God, will you please forgive me for what I'm struggling with? Two people in this room here tonight, a tax collector or the Pharisee. And Jesus is telling this story to the people. One has a humble part. One sees their own need for God. The other is like, God, I don't need you. You need me. Look how great I am. This is what Jesus says, verse 14. Don't miss this verse. Key verse. Jesus says to the people that are listening, I tell you, this one, one of the two people, went home justified. In other words, one of them went home made right before God. One of them went home forgiven. One of them went home, and when God saw the two people going home, God saw one of them and said, this person is now right before me. And this other person, they don't even see how far off they are. Jesus says, not both of them. One of them went home right. And just in case you're confused about which one went home right before God, it was the tax collector the one who was able to see his own sin and his own need for God and who was able to come before God with a humble heart and say, God, I need you. Please have mercy on me. I'm not worthy. God, you know my life and I need you desperately. I need you. That, those are the two people in this story. Now, at one time, uh, le- recently, last week, I was watching, I'm gonna drink a little water. I have a bad headache tonight. 
I um, was watching uh, uh, Animal, uh, I'm sorry, Nat Geo. Anybody watch Nat Geo channel? Yeah, me too, man. You and I, smart people, okay? All right, makes two of us, right? I'll give you guys another chance. Anybody watch Nat Geo channel in here? Wow, look, Sawyer, all these smart people now, okay? All right, cool. So anyway, watch Nat Geo channel sometime. And uh, I was watching this episode, and I love, one of my favorite parts about all those animal documentaries are uh, the narrators, the people that are narrating the animal documentaries. You get, like, if you're in Australia, I won't even try the Australian accent, right? But if you're in Australia, learning about animals from Australia on National Geographic Channel, then the narrator talks like he's an, uh, an Australian, talking like that, right? But more often than not, there's usually these people with British accents, and they're like, and then the lion cub emerged from the hole in the ground. I don't know what they say, right? It's just like, you're just like, wow, what a beautiful accent and then retreated to safety when the hyena appeared. The hyena had another thing coming when the mother showed up, and her name is not Nala, and her dad is not Simba. Okay, I don't know, just, just these rare, right? Okay, so I was watching this Nat Geo channel, it was pretty cool, and uh, they showed this baboon, and the baboon had like, I don't know, like four or five baboon wives in his little colony, okay? And he had, he had little, he had like little baboons running around. And, and uh, another baboon who was a solo bachelor came into his little colony to challenge him, okay? And he wanted to fight. And the winner gets the whole tribe, all right? So that's the way it goes in the animal kingdom. It's all about dominance, right? Like what you can prove. And listen, listen to this. Listen, listen. Y'all chill with me, okay? You guys walking around all over the place tonight, okay? All right, so listen, listen. So this baboon colony, going crazy. You got a, uh, a guy coming in to challenge your colony. And they're going to go at it. They're going to fight. And the winner gets it all, right? So um, it's about dominance. It's about proving something. And before they even throw the first, not a punch, a bite, all right? Before they even throw the first kick or bite, it's all about a show of dominance, right? Like they're like puffing up and they're like, ah, like yelling at each other, making baboon sounds at each other, yelling, because they got something to prove. They're going to prove. They're going to prove something to you. And they're going to prove that they're the dominant one, that they're right, that they're better than. And, and that's how it is in the animal kingdom. Now listen to this very carefully, okay? Listen, we're almost done here tonight. I think that that is how we are in front of God sometimes. Like, God, I'm going to prove something to you. I'm going to prove how good I am, God. And I'm going to prove how awesome I am. And I'm even going to prove to you, God, how good I am at following you. And God, I got so much to prove to the people around me. If they just saw how smart I was, God, if they could just see how fast I was, how good I was at what I do, what a great musician I am. God, if they could just see how many friends I had. God, if they could just see how popular I am. God, and I just got something to prove to the world. I'm going to prove something. I'm going to prove the haters wrong. I'm going to prove this. I'm going to prove that. And God... That's all fine, Danny, except that God is, is there and he's saying, I'm not asking you to prove anything. You imagine for a second that in all of your effort to prove something to the world, that God is saying, hey, why don't you just come sit with me? And I'm not asking you to prove anything to me. In fact, if I was a little more explicit, I might say that God might say to us, there's really not anything that you can prove to me. And what God might be saying to us then, and what we can learn from this story, 
of the tax collector and the Pharisee is that God may be saying to us, you can't prove anything to me. And until you acknowledge that you need me, God, and that you need my mercy, then you will be very, very far away from me. You see, somebody once asked me recently, last summer, this last summer, how do I know that I'm close to God? And I said, do you believe in your heart that you need God? And they said, mm, sometimes. I said, well, a start would be acknowledging and believing how desperately you need God. That's the start. All right. So what do we do with all this, all right? That's a lot. That's a lot. Okay. Actually, let me finish reading this out. I'm going to finish the story out, okay? All right. So Jesus says, one of them is going to go home justified. The other is not. I'm sorry. Did I finish? Man, I left a verse out of my notes. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Let me finish. What does Jesus want people um, to do? What does he want people to do? He wants them to know that their pride before God is not going to get them anywhere. Like our pride in front of God will get us nowhere with God. We don't have anything to prove to God. In fact, check out this verse in uh, James 4. Actually, it's James 4. I'll just tell it to you. It's not on the screen, but it says this. It says, God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. It says that he gives grace to the humble. Uh, he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. What else does Jesus want the people that are listening to do with this? He wants them to know that forgiveness won't be found in doing a list of things. If you were to come in here tonight and say, hey, hey, how, do you, how are you made right before God? And if you were to say to us, you have to do all these things for God to be right with God. And I say, no, forgiveness is first found in putting your faith in Jesus. Jesus has done enough for the forgiveness of your sin. And then I love what Jesus said. Um, at the beginning of this passage, Jesus said about the people. He found some people that trusted in themselves and thought they were better than everybody else. And the third thing is this. Hey, in your walk with Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ here, um, you are not called to trust in yourself. Uh, that is a message the world wants us to believe today. Trust in yourself. Trust in yourself. Trust in you. It's like, are you kidding me? You know who I really am without God? Not to mention the fact that the Bible says that our hearts are deceiving, like they deceive us. So those of you who follow Jesus Christ, he is, your, he is who you follow. He, you are a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. We have one better than trusting ourselves, trusting in ourselves. Our trust is in Jesus. And that's why he is so much better, so much better than our pride. Jesus is better. He's better than our pride. Let me pray, and we'll finish out. God, we love you tonight. And Lord, we're reminded from this story that we desperately need you. And I pray, God, that you would make our hearts more like that tax collector, not stuck in sin, but being able to come to you, God, looking for forgiveness, looking for the forgiveness of our sins. We love you, God. You've done enough. You've done enough for us to know you and to be close to you, God. We love you. Lord, will you deal with our pride, bring us to points of humbleness before you, even through pain, God. And we'll trust you every step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.